We've gathered here today to mourn the passing and to celebrate the living of retired Colonel Edmund G. Durning, Jr., who passed from this dimension of life as we all know it a week ago Wednesday, April 25th, year 2012. He was a devoted husband, father, grandfather, and a Marine for his country to the core of his soul and a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colonel Durning was born in Chicago, Illinois, October 20, 1921. He was the son of Edmund and Julia Durning. He graduated from Carl Schurz High School and later enlisted in the Marine Corps September 21, 1942. He was commissioned a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps on November 21, 1945. Over the years, he eventually rose to the rank of colonel and retired from the Marine Corps in June of 74. Colonel Durning commanded the Marines at every level, from platoon leader to regimental commander. He was a China Marine during the turbulent years of 1948 and 49. Durning's devotion, innovation, and leadership was a trademark of his entire career as a Marine. Subsequent to retirement in 1974, Durning achieved a master's degree in public administration and labor relations. Durning's military awards include the Good Conduct Medal, American Campaign Medal, the Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal, the World War II Victory Medal, the China Service Medal, the United Nations Service Medal, the National Defense Service Medal, the Korean Service Medal, Armed Forces Expeditionary Medal for Cuban Service, second award for Vietnam Service, and two legions of merit. His later years were filled with love for his family, for golf, for exploring, camping, and fishing. He will be missed by his family, fellow Marines, and friends who knew him as a true gentleman, a warrior, and a leader. He's survived by his wife, Clara Winnie Durning of Granbury, his sons, Patrick R. Durning of San Diego, California, and George H. Jasper IV of Oceanside, California, a daughter, Christina Jasper Kennedy of Granbury, a grandson, Edmund Ryan Hoyt of the U.S. Army stationed in Afghanistan with the 82nd Airborne. His granddaughters are Mrs. Carrie D. Radford of Polsbo, Washington, Mrs. Catherine D. Hudson of Spokane, Washington, and Kendra Durning of Kenai, Arkansas. His grandsons are Patrick J. Durning of San Diego, California, Noah E. Kennedy of Stephenville, Texas, David W. Kennedy of Fort Worth, Texas, Joshua R. Kennedy of Granbury, Texas, George H. Jaspert V of Oceanside, California, and Jonathan F. Jaspert of Oceanside, California, and six wonderful, amazing, great-grandchildren. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus on the basis of the promise that you are near to those who are in mourning. Lord, we recognize the reality of death 
and the biblical truth that it is our enemy. But Lord, until the day it is under our feet, we celebrate the fact that death is under your feet when you conquered it once and for all years ago. And when you return, we will all taste of that great resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that the spirit of this amazing man is with you now. And Father, we ask that you would reveal your nearness and your love and your truth to those who are hurting the most and use those of us who are strong to be a strength to this precious family who dearly love this man. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one of Ed's favorite songs. It's a simple song. His faith was real and it was simple. And I think you may know this song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong, yes. passages of scripture was written by King David, Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Read, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And as a man who counts Ed as one of his friends, I can testify that he was that kind of man, a blessed man who prospered in all of his ways. At this time, we're going to be blessed by a song sung by one of Ed's grandsons, Joshua or Kennedy. Come forward and sing, I sure miss you. Papa was a great guy, wasn't he? You know, as I was getting ready to do this this morning, I was thinking, uh, you know, they used to tell stories when he'd go on the the military base, wherever he'd go, people would, you know, just be in honor of him and salute him and just do whatever he needed to do. And then he was such an honored man and a, a great man, and I got to call him Papa. And I'm so honored by that. And I found this song, and I don't think... Any other song to sum up anything about 
slideshow that you're watching was produced by another one of Ed's grandsons, Noah E. Kennedy. At this time, we'll open for some family comments. I've been asked to read some comments sent by his younger brother, who was a year younger than him, Jack. And he said when Ed was seven years old, he loved to get up early. He was an early bird all his life. He loved to get up early and go fishing at a water hole in the Edgebrook Golf Course on the northwest side of Chicago. His parents would have the kids put on their pajamas and send them to bed at 8 o'clock in the evening. But as soon as the lights were off and the bedroom door was shut, Ed would quickly change into his pants and shirt in order to be ready for fishing at 5 a.m. before the parents were awake. He was motivated. When he was 8 years old in the same part of Chicago, he would buy liver large piece of liver for a nickel, and go crabbing in the De Plains River. The butcher would give him his string, and he would break a branch from a tree for a pole. One time he even tried cooking his catch in a tin can over a small fire. He didn't really care for it. At age nine in the northwest side of Chicago, Miss Durning, Ed's mother, would occasionally go shopping and leave money on the kitchen table for the kids to buy lunch at a local restaurant before going back to school. Sometimes, instead of lunch, they would buy liver for crabbing, cigarettes for smoking, and candy to cover the smell of the tobacco. This meant that they also would cut school in the afternoon. 
At age 13, they lived near the Wisconsin border in Lake Vila, Illinois. Ed, Jay, and his cousin Bob Vanderhoof had been hunting one day, and while walking home side by side, carrying their shotguns across their chest, facing down at the ground, Ed got to playing with his trigger and safety switch, not thinking when his gun went off, blowing a big hole in the ground about three inches in front of his cousin Bob's foot. Needless to say, no one told their parents. At age 17, he was a lineman for the Carl Schurz High School football team that played for the Chicago School's championship, and they lost in a close game to Austin High School. At age 19, he was living in Morrison, Colorado, working on a road construction crew out of Golden, Colorado. And both he and his brother had horses that they kept at a stable in Morrison. Occasionally, the stable owner would have a long ride and a steak fry for a group of people that used his stable, and he would have Ed and Jay help him on this trail ride. One evening, while they were guiding such a group into the mountains and crossing a gravel road, suddenly a car with four people in it came tearing down the road and almost ran into the horses before they would stop. Ed didn't say a word. He just got off his horse reached in the open window of the car and jerked the driver out of the car through the window by his shirt, hit him twice, left him laying in the ditch, and they rode off. And his only words were, he won't do that again. <laughs> At age 20, he was in the Marine Corps in Camp Pendleton, California, undergoing training as a Marine Raider commando-type fighter. While training in jiu-jitsu and judo, his opponent threw him, and as Ed fell, his stiletto knife fell out of its sheath and hit the ground, blade up. Ed fell on it, and it penetrated several inches into his back, fortunately missing vital organs. Although hurt, Ed's main concern was that his company was scheduled for their final training exercise in two days, which was to be a 25-mile hike with a full pack, and if he missed it, he did not know if they would give him another chance to complete the training. He wanted to be a raider. So Ed told his training officer that he could make the hike if they would let him go. His only problem was the bottom edge of his backpack rested right on the knife wound, and the pain almost made him drop out of the hike, but he made it. Ed was a positive man with a desire for learning and a brain that was sharp as a razor and an excellent memory, and I just am honored to have been his friend. And I know you guys loved him, too. All right, at this time, we'll have the family come up and share their comments. This was written by Carrie Kermath-Langevin. The world has lost a wonderful man, Ed Durning. He was my next-door neighbor when I was growing up, and the reason I met my best friend, Carrie. But more than that, he was the kind of man who took interest in the kids on his street and helped them become protective and compassionate members of society, no matter what their sex or color, even in the early 70s. Because of Ed, I learned to take walks for the simple pleasure of walking. Because of Ed, I learned to swim better than I'd ever swam before. And because of Ed, I learned that a retired Marine who saw significant action during wartime could also be an, an exceptionally patient man who is willing to spend his time teaching a bunch of kids how to become exceptionally compassionate adults. We, the kids of Risa Court, will never forget you. 
We will always love you and admire you for being the kind of man we wanted to become or the kind of man we wanted to marry. To Carrie and Kate, I'm so sorry for your loss. In some small way, he was our grandpa, too. My thoughts are with you. We love you, Ed. Thank you for everything. Carrie Kermath-Langevin. Well, it's hard to come up here and talk about Ed. There's so many things you can say about him. Ed's been like my father for so long. And uh, I know today he would have really appreciated seeing the whole family together. He loved the Lord, and he loved his family a lot. It would have meant a lot to him today. Um, growing up in New Orleans, Ed met my mom, and about a year later, they moved to San Diego. He used to take her down to Mulahay, Mexico every year to go fishing. There's some pictures of the large fishes. But just about when they made it to the beach, towing their camper, they would get stuck in the sand in the same place just about every year. The same man pulled them out year after year. Um, he really did enjoy the outdoors. Uh, his son, Pat, is not here at this moment, but we love going to the river, and he liked camping and fishing there, too. Ed and I would talk about a lot of things. He really, really enjoyed his golf. He was very difficult to beat. Even with all the side bets and pressing going on, somehow he would always come out ahead. Another thing Ed and I really enjoyed talking about, frankly, was dominating all your friends in tennis and golf. He loved winning also, just as much. Um, he enjoyed sharing stories about his golf. He also told me when he was in boot camp, when all of his fellow Marines were out marching around, he found a way to skate off to the PX and drink Dr. Pepper. Uh, Ed was um, a very caring, and, and he was this person that you could talk to about your problems and issues. He would always spend the time to talk to you and pray with you and give you guidance. We all loved Ed and his fatherly advice. It's going to be hard with him not here. And... I know now that Ed is at peace with God up in heaven. We're all really, really going to miss you, Ed. Hi. My name is Christina Kennedy, and Ed Durney was my papa. When I first met Ed, he was my mom's boss and then mine. He was an interesting man, stern yet kind. And as time went on, he and my mom became a couple, and then they got married. I was a bit puzzled after the marriage on exactly what to call him. He had been Mr. Durning and then Ed. So I went to the source and asked him, what do you want me to call you? And he looked at me and said, steps can take you in and out of a house, but we're a family now, and all my girls call me Papa. If you will call me Papa, I will always love you, step or not. And so it began. Papa loved with a great big heart. And although he was my stepfather, he treated me as his own, fussing at me if I needed it, but always loving me through it. He didn't always understand the choices I made, but he supported me in his papa demeanor. He always made me feel loved and secure. And I'm a 
better woman because of it. And all of you will agree that you are better for having known him. Thank you. Hello. My name is Katie, and Papa was my grandfather. And my dad was supposed to read this poem, but he is picking Ryan up, my cousin, from the airport, and they are racing back as we speak. And uh, if anyone would understand the military, putting a crimp in your plans, it would be Papa. But Ryan's going to be here, and they'll make it. And uh, my dad was going to read this poem, and, and I think it describes... Papa very well. It's called Miss Me, But Let Me Go. When I come to the end of the road and the sun has set for me, I want no rights in a gloom-filled room. Why cry for a soul set free? Miss me a little, but not too long. And not with your head bowed low. Remember the love that we once shared. Miss me, but let me go. For this journey that we all must take and each must go alone. It's all part of the master's plan. A step on the road to home. When you are lonely and sick of heart, go to the friends we know and bury your sorrows in doing good deeds. Miss me, but let me go. Thank you. I'm just going to take a few minutes. Oh, my gosh, look how many. Thank you for coming, everybody. I'm going to share with you how I met my husband, Ed, because it's really, really amazing, and I think that it will touch your faith. I had been a single mom for about 12 years, and uh, the company I worked for went belly up. So I was looking for a job, and I had time on my hands. So I went to this lady's Bible study, and something was going on there that I had never seen. There was this young woman there, and at the Bible study, she'd sit in a chair, and everybody would stand around, and she was praying for her husband. I thought that was kind of cool, but I was praying for a job, so they would pray for a job for me. So a few weeks went by, and then I began to think, you know, after all these years, Maybe I should pray for a husband, too. So this one week, I prayed for a job and a husband. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that God really pours things out big. Because about two weeks, ago, uh, two weeks passed, and I had a call from a colleague, and she says, you need to call so-and-so. I think that's the job for you, and I think you can get it. And this job was to manage conventions and do news. So I, she said, okay. So I called this man named Huey, and he said, well, I'm not the one. I'm president of the association. You need to talk to the executive director, and he'll be in New Orleans uh, about 10 days. He's in Chicago. So I called this person named Ed Durning and scheduled an appointment with him the night before I flew to Israel. <laughs> so we met, and we um, went down to the Hilton, and had, I had my interview, and he hired me. <laughs> and so that night, I got my job and my future husband. And I'm here to tell you that if you have a big request, put God in it, because he'll bless it from the beginning to the end. 
And I was really a, a, um, an honored woman, and I am so proud to have been his wife. All right, at this time, Pastor Dale Kennedy will come and bring the eulogy. Ice cream, son, ice cream. My son Joshua was getting ready to sing in front of a group, and he told his papa, he said, I'm nervous. And papa said, just think ice cream. He said, everybody loves ice cream. And everybody will love you and what you do. So this morning coming over here, we said to each other, ice cream. An adaptation of a poem by James W. Johnson. Weep not. We've not. He is not dead. He is resting in the bosom of Jesus. Heartbroken wife, weep no more. Grief-stricken son, weep no more. Left lonesome daughter, weep no more. He's only just gone home. Just the other day morning, God was looking down from His great high heaven looking down on all his children and his eye fell on his son Edmund lying on his bed of discomfort and God's big heart was touched with pity with everlasting compassion and God sat back on his throne and he commanded that tall bright angel at his right hand call me death and that tall bright angel cried in a voice that broke like a clap of thunder Call death. Call death. And the echo sounded down the streets of glory till it reached away back to that shadowy place where death waits on his pale white horse. And death heard the summons and he leaped on his fastest horse, pale as a sheet in the moonlight. Up the golden streets death galloped. And the hooves of his horses struck fire from the gold, but they did not make a sound. Up death rode to the great white throne and waited for God's command. And God said, go down, death, go down. Go down to Granbury, Texas. Down in that place and find my son, Edmund. He's for the burden and heat of the day. He's labored long in his vineyard. And he's tired. He's weary. Go down, death, and bring him to me. And death didn't say a word, but he loosed the rein on his pale white horse, and he clamped the spurs to his bloodless sides. And out and down he rode through heaven's pearly gates, past suns and moons and stars. Death rode on, leaving the lightning flash behind Straight down he came. While we were but waking from our slumber, Ed turned his eyes and looked afar off and saw what we could not see. He saw old death. He saw old death. But death did not frighten him. 
He looked to him like a welcome friend, and he whispered to death, I'm going home. And he smiled and closed his eyes, and death took him like a baby. And he lay in his icy arms, but he did not feel no chill. And death began to ride again, up beyond the evening star into the glittering light of glory. And on to the great white throne, and there he laid out, beloved Papa, on the loving breast of Jesus. And Jesus took his own hand, and he wiped away his tear. And he smoothed the furrows from his face. And the saints of heaven sang a little song. And Jesus rocked him in his arms and kept a saying, Take your rest, my son. Take your rest. Weep not. Weep not. He is not dead. He is resting in the bosom of Jesus. Since the first day I met Ed Durning, our relationship revolved around golf and family. The morning of my wedding to Blondie, we played Ed and I and George and my best man, Bill, played golf together for the first time. I don't remember who won the match, but I remember I got the blonde. It would be the last thing I got on the golf course in winning zip for a long, long, long time. We played Christmas and Thanksgiving mornings. It was what we did as a family. The women would gather around and cook, and all the guys would go play golf. I think it's a pretty good system that developed. We played every chance we got for almost 28 years. For 22 years, I could not beat him. 22 years I played golf and could not beat him. That accursed one iron that just went so straight and so long. And at the end of the match, he would graciously, graciously accept the wager. And then, as the winner was required to do, he would buy the refreshments. He would, with words of questionable encouragement, suggest maybe a few golf lessons might help me. Or maybe a little more practice. Or he would say maybe raising the wager would encourage me. I knew that only raising the wager would just make me broke. We would play for all kinds of silly titles, the Family Championship of the World, the Durning Family Open. It was all in good fun in his quest for the Kennedy Quarters that I suspect when we go this afternoon to play golf to honor our papa, some of my quarters are still in his golf cart. I would be remiss... If I fail to mention the infamous 16-inch putt a certain family member missed on the 18th hole at Pasatiempo Country Club in Santa Cruz, California, seeding the championship 
that year to my friend Lyndall and me. It was a glorious day. But finally, after 22 years with his strength waning and his eyesight not what it used to be, I finally beat him. I looked forward and thought that it would feel so great after all these years. Someday I would beat the old man playing golf. I used to say to him, I'm going to beat you someday. And he would say, yeah, but not today. We'd sit in the, in the snack bar and have a soda, and I'd say, yeah, but you're 30 years older than I am. I can wait. I said, it may be hit the ball and drag it, but someday, Papa, I'm going to beat you. And after 22 years, that day came with my son playing alongside us, and it did not feel wonderful. It didn't even feel good. I finally understood what he had said all those years about, I love to win, but I hate to see you lose. My win wasn't what I thought it would be. When it came for time for his grandson Joshua to take up the family mantle of golf, it was Papa who first lovingly showed him the basics. His prophecy that the kid would soon be beating us both came sooner than we expected. He would cry out in false sadness when we lost to the kid, but the reality was that he was so proud that the mantle had been passed to another generation. I suspect when Joshua teaches his sons and grandsons the game of golf, much of the discussion will revolve around his recollection of his legendary papa. I think Ed would be a little embarrassed this morning with all the military honor. Even though it was so richly deserved in such a big, big part of his life before we knew him, his thoughts in his latter years were not about battlefields and conflict, but about grandsons and granddaughters and great-grandsons and great-granddaughters. He poured his spirit of integrity and determination into them every opportunity he got. He was so proud of each of his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren He often spoke what a beautiful woman his granddaughters had become and the baby. In the years when most men are enjoying the quietness of retirement, Ed reached out. Ice cream. Ed reached out for his grandson put his retirement on hold and saw that Ryan was taken care of. Ryan today is a warrior in Afghanistan defending your freedoms and mine. Even when the young Ryan was terrorizing old people in Oceania with his ninja military skills jumping from roof to roof, the old man secretly thought that it was hilarious. My sons had the advantage of being close by Papa for the last seven years of his life. He was their counselor, sometimes even when they didn't want it. Their golf coach, their friend, their confidant, their banker. 
After the service today, after we eat a family meal together, we will one last time get in Papa's golf cart and go play golf together as sons, grandsons, and great-grandsons. We will tell funny stories, laugh a bit, and cry a little. We will smoke the secret stash of Papa's cigars that Grammy did not know about and insisted were not there, but Joshua and I knew exactly where they were. More than a warrior, more than a loving husband, father, and patriarch, Ed had become a man of deep faith. One of our last conversations was about how much he loved to read the Word of God. When I asked him why he decided to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, he said that when he saw the love of God in his wife, Winnie, he was compelled to come to Christ. More than a loving wife, she became his spiritual coach and on more than one occasion joined with us in debate of his unusual theological arguments. In our last conversation, he had called to thank me for a book that I had bought him written by Billy Graham. He was, as always, very, very gracious and thanked me for the gift. He said to me, I know I need to be a better Christian. After talking to Winnie, I know I need to make some adjustments in my life. <laughs> we laughed a bit and we talked about playing golf in a couple of days as soon as he felt like it. Ed was concerned about the spiritual condition of his family. His desire was for each of you to know Christ like he knew Christ. You can do that today. You can be assured that you will be with him in glory. All you have to do is do like he did, accept Christ as your personal Savior. At the end of his last campaign, heaven is his final destination, his eternal destiny. Jesus prayed, our Father, which art in heaven. Heaven is where God is. The Apostle Paul told the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm reminded of the old song, this world is not my home, I am only passing through. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? Heaven is Ed's home today. I am so upset he went off and left me. Jesus said, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. When Ed arrived at the pearly gates, they found his name in that precious book of the redeemed, just as Jesus had told his disciples that there are many mansions in heaven for the elect and that he was going to prepare our place for us. Paul told the church at Corinth that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. He is in heaven today, and he awaits us. Ed and I had some very unusual conversations, most of nobody ever knew about. And he said to me one day on the golf course, How good a son are you? I said, You know I'm a good son. He said, Listen, when I get old. Now the man's 90 years old and says, When I get old. When I get old, he said, don't let them plug me into a machine. I don't want to lay there. 
I know where I'm going. He said, are you a good enough son that if they plug me in, you'll unplug me? I said, yes, sir, I give you my word that if they plug you in, I'll unplug you so you can go to glory. He said, all right, you're a good son. He went quietly in his sleep. He went to sleep with a little pain and discomfort and woke up in the arms of Jesus. He left me here. I said, Ed, what are we going to do when the old man's gone? He said, then you guys are the old man. I said to my brother-in-law, Patrick, last night, sitting on the front steps out in front of the house, just the two of us. I said, Pat, there's something you need to know. He said, what's that? I said, you're the old man now. (laughs) Only by a year, but he's the old man. When Ed lived in California, one of his closest golfing buddies was his pastor, Dallas Miller. He liked Dallas, and which was unusual because a lot of preachers he didn't like. He liked Dallas and was a co-conspirator in convincing the golf staff at Admiral Baker Golf Course in San Diego that Dallas was a retired Navy admiral, which made him eligible for discounted golf membership. Nobody ever questioned the colonel's word. They just said, okay. So Dallas was Admiral Miller. They were great buddies. Dallas was probably most instrumental in smoothing off some of Ed's rough edges. He would get after him. He had this deep, deep voice. And he'd say, and now, Eddie... They were great friends and played golf together. I preferred Dallas's way of playing golf because Dallas played what he called Christian golf. If you made a mistake, you could hit it again. <laughs> but Ed kept score, so I, I never won. Playing golf with these two <coughs> was like living in Abbott and Costello movie. They were great friends when Dallas passed away a few years ago. For some reason, I took up calling on the golf course, calling Ed, Eddie. Only Dallas called him Eddie. And I took up calling him Eddie, only on the golf course. When I would lower my voice and say, Now, Eddie, he would smile with that smile of his in remembrance of his old friend. I suspect that as Ed entered heaven a few days ago, that Dallas Miller was there with clubs in hand, saying, come on, Eddie. We tee off in just a few minutes, and oh, by the way, here's that one iron from us. We're going to conclude the service with the Marine Corps League honor detail. Thank you for coming.
And now, Lord, as we conclude this memorial service and celebration of the life of this amazing man, we ask you, Lord, to help us all to learn from his example and to get to know you like he did. Father, we pray that you would use us to be a strength to those who need us. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you're the healer, you're the comforter, and you're the savior, and you're the conqueror of death. Until we see it again, Lord, we release our faith to lean upon you for the rest of our lives. Lord, may we follow Ed's example. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you.